This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Michael Bratton. He's known as SEC Mike in the Twitter world. We dive into the Vanderbilt Commodores' expectations for Clark Lee in year one, but we also go around the SEC. We get Mike's predictions on both the East and West divisions and some of the best quarterbacks to watch for this season in the SEC. We also touch on the Vandy United updates and this year's game day upgrades to Dudley Field. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 101. It is August 25th here on a Wednesday night. We are always powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Unfortunately, I'm no longer in Nashville. Back down in the Naples area, Will is still in Nashville. And Will, we had quite the weekend. The Door Jam uh, was 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 another success. I hadn't been in a while. I don't think you had either. Uh, but it was, it was, of course, fun to, to be able to talk to coaches and players, kind of have easy access to that. But well, we're almost there. We're 10 days away from ETSU. It's starting to starting to feel a little bit of a different air, starting to feel a little bit better. And uh, we got football game day upgrades and Vandy United upgrades, too. So we're almost there, man. We're getting there slowly but surely. It's Earl Bennett days currently from uh, yes. opening kickoff of college football season for the Commodores 10 days away. So we tweeted out the, the uh, classic video of the Jay Cutler to Earl Bennett in Knoxville. Uh, never, never touchdown pass. So uh, that never gets old. And, and the countdown is going to get a lot more fun in these last 10 days because uh, a lot of those guys that have made a lot of plays in Commodore history that are pretty memorable are in oh, those yeah. Single-digit numbers. So be on the lookout on on the Door Report Twitter and the Door Report Instagram for those posts as we count down to game day. Almost here, and a lot of the player, big-time players this season on the team are, are in that lower uh, lower tier of numbers too. So we'll be we'll be kind of mixing it up there. Will is tasked with that. He did a good job today with uh, with Earl Bennett. But Will, we'll have to run through the game day upgrades. Also, Vandy United. Uh, just a you know small update on that. And SEC Mike Michael Bratton joins the podcast but before we get to our breaking news don't forget to follow us on twitter at door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google podcasts and while you're at it go give our podcast five stars and a review on itunes it's now time for breaking news when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, 
and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, we got the door jam to talk about. It was another success, and and I, I don't think I had been for three or four years. Of course, as, as a kid, it's something you look to every year, kind of the, the beginning of the season. You're able to grab some autographs and, and, and talk to players and coaches. But, Will, this was fun. I, I don't think it was as big of a crowd as, as there usually um, had been with, with the past uh, seasons. I know when Franklin was there, it, it was a huge event, and, and the line was out the door uh, for the indoor facility. But it was really cool. Got to talk talked to coach Corbin, coach Lee, Earl Bennett, Norval McKenzie, coach Blazik too was awesome. And it seemed a lot more accessible for fans. I mean, the coaches were out standing around on the field in the, in the practice facility. And I'm sure some people missed out on that and, and heard about it and said, damn, maybe I, I should have checked it out, but it was definitely a lot easier to talk to people. And will, I think bottom line, these guys are having fun. You can tell that it's an energized group and, and, and they're passionate about the team and, and, for, for something that, that Vanderbilt fans have having to look forward to, I mean, it's football season. Everybody's going to get excited about it, but door champs, always that kind of event where, Hey, it's almost here. It's usually two weeks away. Yeah. It had been a while since I had been to, to a door jam. I think the last time I had been was very early in Derek Mason's tenure when they released the original uh, deep water uniforms or whatever it was with yeah, the shiny chrome helmets. So yeah, that was the last time that I had been, but yeah, it definitely wasn't a large crowd. It was moved from the outdoor practice field into the yep. indoor practice facility because of weather. And they were passing out masks at the front, which it was expected and was probably a really good thing. They had a table uh, full of those yes. disposable masks. Because I think a lot of people had forgotten about masks, especially in the Nashville area. But uh, it didn't really seem like Door Jam was promoted extremely heavily uh, by the football program or by the athletic department. And with the new energy surrounding promotion and making sure the optics of everything are, are pursued and applied correctly, I think this was probably a calculated decision to not market it very heavily uh, because I think this year they really didn't expect a large crowd right, and didn't right. necessarily want an insanely crowded and packed event in an um, at this place. stage. Yeah, exactly. So um, it was very accessible. I know in years past, they just had tables basically surrounding the practice right. field or the indoor practice facility with all the players. And you walked around with your game game or season poster and had them yep. all sign it and everything. But this year was a lot more. They had the main guys sitting there on the football team. Uh, getting autograph or giving out autographs at those tables, and the rest of the players are walking around, uh, throwing, throwing back around, the full, yeah. yeah, throwing the football with kids at different areas. And they had the women's soccer team there, and guys from the basketball team were there. Yep. Tim Corbin was there, so it definitely had a feeling of being more accessible. And it was definitely an event geared towards kids, as it always is. But this yeah. year specifically, I think they had even more types of things for kids to do at that event. So yes. in, next year, I think you'll see a big improvement right. of what was already an improved event this year. Yeah, I think the best part about it, Will, was we walked in together. And right, right as we walk in, we look to our right, and we see Coach Corbin right there with like three mm -hmm. people in line <laughs> waiting for him. And I mean, he's ready to go. And, and so just the accessibility was awesome to, to be able to talk to coaches and and players after they're done signing autographs so like you said will i mean i don't think they necessarily looked at this and said hey we're gonna pack this indoor facility and 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 bring as many people as we can but uh, down the road this is this has always been a good event and i think uh with coach lena's staff they will want to market this a little bit more and um you know use it to their advantage so uh door jam obviously is saturday that means the season is 
a week and a half away. I mean, we, we've got, you know, you could, so you could say closer to two, but we've got 10 days and tomorrow it'll be nine and then eight and seven. We we'll almost be there. We'll be a week away. So we will continue to talk more. Of course, next week will be game week, which is insane. We were texting earlier and uh, I was like, well, damn, it's already game week. <laughs> we're like, we're already here. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much here. So, well, we do have some other things to touch on, though. We got the football game day upgrades and this, this was new. Now, now a lot of this stuff we had already heard rumblings about, but there are some things in this article on VUCommodores.com and in the press release, of course, that kind of caught my eye. I'm sure they caught yours as well. And they basically, they're calling it a revamped Vandyville. And, and Vandyville's always been a, a, cool, a cool tailgate area, I think. I mean, people, it's in Nashville, but of course, when you're not winning, it's not, not necessarily. Potentially, potentially yes, very ha- cool tailgate it ha- area. It has potential. It has a lot of potential. And they, they've added a, a revamped live music. They've got food trucks, food trucks everywhere, uh, a pucket stage, black and gold stage, singer-songwriter stage. And well, I think a cool thing that they should be able to tap into is the singer songwriter availability and and, and, you know this isn't this doesn't apply to the football team but this is something that the fans they hear somebody's coming out someone from nashville that lives in nashville i mean why not i mean this should be a no-brainer they should be able to book any of the top artists in the country i mean most of them especially in country uh in the country genre that people there's so many of them that live in here and i think there was a good quote uh from viewcommerce.com no place has more rising talent than nashville and fans will hear up and and coming artists and familiar local favorites for up to two hours before kickoff and you know i think they've had some of that before but it's just things like that where you look at and you say hey they're they're working towards something bigger and it's it's really something new and they're trying to they're trying to reshape it and, and I think they're doing a good job, of course. But you, I know you love the Star Walk, though. I, I think that's a great idea. The, the, the revamp. I mean, I, I like it because my brother was actually talking to me about it. He said more people are there's a lot of people tailgating down further out away from the Star Walk. And I think people like to they like to drink and, and still have a good time up until really kickoff. So I think people standing over there will be able to say, hey, here's the players coming out. Let's let's get over there and, and, and cheer them on. But I, I think just a longer star walk will help because of the, the, the availability and accessibility for, for more fans. I think. I'm curious to see what that star walk is going to look like just with the setup of where that facility is compared to the stadium. So that'll be interesting to see. That's what really this entire thing just reads as is they're finally doing things that just make sense. This is nothing that is going to be, there, there's not some major and crazy mind blowing new event there at game day. It's basically just saying, looking at the Vanderbilt game day experience and saying, looking down at Vandyville and the dilapidated row of no energy tents and the old video board and some random 20 year old country music singer, nobody wants to listen to <laughs> blasting music. So you can't hear the game audio and there's no one tailgating there's no energy and that tailgate experience and game day experience at Vanderbilt is horrific and it just is and this is where Billy this is one of my soapboxes we always talk about them but this got me very excited this reading this and they actually are sitting there and saying we need more than two food trucks in a city like Nashville that is known for incredible food we should have rows of food trucks they will have hot chicken because so much, so many of the complaints and, and everything is addressed at that Vanderbilt football stadium and the actual inside of it, how dilapidated, old, small, whatever you, whatever condescending adjective you want to use towards it. A lot of that, a lot of the issues with Vanderbilt football and the facilities is targeted at that. But that's like having, that's like worrying about your 
shoulder needing surgery right. when your entire left leg is missing with that game day experience. And that's step one is doing the things that aren't multi-million dollar projects. They're simple. There you reach out to companies, bring in food trucks. You have a video board that shows games during the day while guys, while people want to tailgate, right. bring in artists that are local and the same ones that play down the road on Broadway and draw in thousands and millions of tourists a year. And it, it, to me, it's the, the fact that this wasn't done five years ago, um, is just an, an indictment of how out of touch previous administrations were. I love David Williams. He did a lot for the University of Vanderbilt, rest in peace, but he was extremely out of touch. Malcolm Turner was a joke. And what we're clearly seeing here is that AD Candice Lee so far has been the person for the job and she's actually getting sugar honey iced tea because I don't want to cuss on here. <laughs> Done. Um, I'll get more fired up during football season and actually drop she, words, she, I'm well, sure, but I'm trying to avoid it right now. <laughs> she gets it. She, she gets it. She understands yes. it. And she is a Vanderbilt-made person. I mean, everything she learned, everything she was taught and coached was from Vanderbilt. And mm -hmm. she was a highly successful basketball player. So her stepping into this role and as – you know, in the midst of a, you could say a firestorm with Coach Mason, of course, and during COVID, I mean, what she's been able to do is unreal. And, you know, she still has a lot to get done, but she, she's, she has, has definitely stepped up to the task. But, Will, you touched on the, the food and, and kind of the more accessibility of those items. They've got so many new, uh, so many new Nashville local attractions that are coming in. We've got Slimmin' Huskies, Daddy's Dogs, uh, Ice Cream, Colonel's Nashville Popcorn, Community Coffee, Puckets, Chick-fil-A, I mean, Corner Pub. They, they're, they're, they're finally reaching out to those popular Nashville area locations and saying, hey, let's bring you guys over and let's get, let's get some stuff done. So, but Will, another thing, on the on the star walk is i think some people are unclear of where the route is so the team will exit the practice field gates and proceed onto natchez trace about one hour before kickoff like they usually do they're going to turn down jess neely drive and then enter the enter the tunnel that through that way so I, I guess they're removing all the the signage and everything that they have at the old star walk but will this is like i said i think this is going to allow more fans to participate and the star walk has gotten crowded i mean a lot of people down there they, they arrive late and they're not able to to get a good look at it. So this will uh, this will provide help with that in, in that area. But will I mean looking at a, a lot of these? Another thing is pyrotechnics. Now they've had pyrotechnics before, and this isn't something that I think you know people look at and say, hey, we have to have good pyrotechnics. But those are going to be a part of the game day uh, experience. But also a new video board layout. I mean they're they're thinking about everything here, and I'm sure there's going to be more upgrades with the new with the new you know end zones uh, being built. But they're thinking of the small things, and they're saying, hey, every, the small things matter. That's what the Vandy Boys brand have done. They've said, hey, the details matter, and, and that's what we're looking at. And I also love how they value a simple, clean look in every way. I mean, they value that in the uniforms, and they're valuing that in, in, in the video board as well and all the signage. So that, I, I just love how they're narrowing it down to a lot of the smaller things right now. Yeah, I liked reading the article they put out on VUCommodores.com and tweeted out from the athletics account and football yeah. accounts for the – game day upgrades and the actual in-stadium upgrades. And, you know, it's a lot of words to basically say this. It, it's nothing that really needs explanation. It's basically just looking yeah. at what is currently the game day in-stadium and out-of-stadium experience, looking at that and saying, all right, it's going to be the same thing, 
but just like five times better and brought into the 21st century. Right. And that's all it is. And that's all you need right now. A.D. Candice Lee was brought into probably the toughest situation an athletic director can possibly be brought into. I would say Vanderbilt is probably the toughest job in all of athletics with the conference yeah. they're in and, and, the, and how hamstrung they are with the actual university and administration. And she was brought in at a probably the toughest time in what the last 50 years for Vanderbilt athletics. I mean, yeah. the end, everything is trending in the wrong direction, except that baseball program and women's bowling. And she has done a phenomenal job just taking one step back and saying, there are a thousand things to fix here, but the journey of a thousand miles was started with a single step. Let's do the things we mm. can fix right now before this season. And then we'll worry about the big, bigger picture with Vandy United and the multi-million dollar campaigns that need to be done. And this has me really fired up. And I've never actually felt this much confidence in an administration like I do with AD Candace Storyly at the helm, that they are making the right decisions. And I truly do have faith she's steering the ship in the right direction. Also, she's got people around her that are fully supporting yes. her. Guys like McClelland. Tommy, Tommy McClelland and Daniel Deermeyer, the mm-hmm. chancellor. <laughs> I mean, yep, those two, those two contributing just as much. I don't want to leave them out, especially oh. um, Deermeyer coming in is just as much of a, a tectonic shift oh, in Vanderbilt's approach massive. toward athletics at the same time that you've got McClelland and, and Story Lee coming in. So this is a... This is a real inflection point for Vanderbilt athletics, and I'm excited about the future. And Corbin said it best to have a guy that's sitting behind, you know, that right, right in front in a Vanderbilt baseball shirt, polo, backwards hat, drinking a beer. It doesn't get better than that. It, it doesn't. That's the, that's what Vanderbilt has needed. It's been a breath of fresh air. And will there? There are some smaller things to kind of touch on. The tickets are all digital now, so mm-hmm. you know. It, there, there have been a, a few issues already. Now, I, I, I like the digital tickets. I think it, that's where the world is shifting. I don't think there's going to be any more paper tickets mm-hmm. even invented anymore after a few seasons. But there will also be some road closures. There usually always is. Jess Neely Drive is always closed up until kickoff. Um, but Natchez Trace will also be closed seven hours before kickoff. So there's, they're clearing out a lot of space, and there's going to be more areas to tailgate, I, I believe. So, Will, I, I agree with you. This is a breath of fresh air, and it's something that all, if you're a Vanderbilt fan associated with the university in any way, you should get excited about this because it's going to be different. It's going to look different, and game days are going to be it's, – it's going to be a, a positive step. Will, we've also got – uh, so, I mean, you could say updates, but it's basically just reinforcement and, and reinforcing the idea that, hey, we're on task. We are we are you know trending in the right direction with Vandy United, the campaign, of course, that will uh, the fundraising campaign that invested 300 million in the student athletes. And, Will, this is something you haven't seen ever. I mean, and, and I, I think we're both lucky to say that we're witnessing it and kind of witnessing the beginning. We're going to see the beginning of Andy United, and hopefully it doesn't end. You know, hopefully this thing continues to roll on because the indoor practice facility will be built before next season. Football Operations Center and an expanded McGugan Center will be built, and that's going to benefit student athletes and new training rooms, sports medicine facilities, sport performance center, so many different new things. Also the end zone facilities. I think that is something that I look at and say, Hey, this, this is, this is the two most important um, aspects of the stadium to where it's, it's all about the optics. It's honestly what it comes down to because 
looking at those end zones, both end zones are not necessarily most appealing. You know, you have the video board out there. I would almost guarantee you they're knocking down that billboard, clearing everything out and making it look more like what Missouri has right now. I know Texas has something similar as well. Populous has worked with uh, with many of the top programs around the country. But Will, I mean, who knows what it's going to end up looking like, like exactly, but we know where it's going to happen, and we know what is going to uh, to go into those areas. So this is something that, you know, we talked about, you know, when this first came out, when we first realized this, but the fact that they are on task and they're consistent and the most important thing, Will, that, that we realized is it's going to be done before next football season. I mean, that, yeah, that's basically, hear- yeah, basically that release, they released the game day upgrades and then they released this basically just saying, yes, we're also on track with the bigger stuff yeah. we talked about earlier is pretty much what I took from it. I may have missed something, but I don't know if that's, that's pretty much all you took from it. Is it basically just yeah. updated and saying, don't worry, guys, we're still doing that stuff as well <laughs> alongside this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's something that it's just, it's not necessarily an update, but it's, we got the video, which I think was cool. That mm-hmm. was kind of, um, kind of nailing the, the nailing, nailing it down and saying, Hey, here's what we're doing. Um, but Will, it's, it's something that even the company Barton Mallow that, that's coming in and doing it, they've completed more than $5 billion in higher education products since 2010. So that, I mean, that's the best company you could ask for doing that. They tweeted, they quote tweeted the tweet and said, Hey, we can't wait for this anchor down. So everybody's on track on track you know everybody's doing what what they're what they're supposed to be doing and and again the, the stadium's going to look a lot different and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see hopefully we can both make that first home game uh next year because boy it's going to be a whole different uh different look but will this is somewhat of a quicker segment one but we do have to touch on the a little bit of, i mean you know we're not there at fall practice but we're 10 days away I mean, this is, it seems like football season always kind of approaches us at a, at a quicker pace. Uh, but hey, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad about it, but we're 10 days away. And, and Will, I think the feeling right now is let's just get on the field. I mean, I think Coach Lee's ready. They started opponent prep. And, and I think for us right now, it's, it's looking at saying, hey, ETSU, th- this, this should be a, d- a demolition. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting on two things, Billy. I'm counting down the days until the uh, actual opening game and just say getting on the field alongside every other friend. And then I'm also counting down the days as we've kind of pushed off on on doing it, but counting down the days till next week's podcast for our full full roster preview oh, and, and a slight week and a slight week one preview of ETSU, but mainly focused on just kind of previewing the entire Vanderbilt football season and that roster uh, leading into week one. So I'm excited for that. But Billy, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on the news coming out of LSU uh, requiring yeah. vaccinations and, or a negative COVID test in what was it, 48 or 72 hours. So that right. has started in for LSU for their games this fall. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to, to touch was, on that. Because I was likely if a second team is going to do it, it's going to be Vanderbilt. Yeah, I was stunned. I couldn't believe LSU made that decision. I know there are a couple other teams. I think Alabama and Tennessee, I think it was, they have not, they have not made that decision. And they're, they're basically saying, Hey, we're, it's a free for all. I mean, we're going to go back to normal, but to see LSU make that decision, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised. So, well, when you look at it from the Vanderbilt perspective, I don't think there's going to be, it's not, I might, may not even be half capacity against ETSU. And now the half capacity at Vanderbilt is, is somewhere around 20,000. They could get to 20,000. Who knows? I think obviously with that first home game, there's going to be a lot of students there, but I think Candace Lee is looking at this saying, I don't think we need any, um, 
you know any restrictions in, in any way i mean you know you could say hey throw a mask on but you know how many people are going to keep their mask on the whole game but i mean I, I i don't think it matters as much for vanderbilt i think if a school like when you see a school like tennessee say hey no restrictions that's kind of like okay they, they know what they're getting into but for vanderbilt I, I don't think it really matters. I mean, it, it's, it's the only reason I say Vanderbilt's the likely team to do it is they had zero fans in the stands, only private university, not yeah. not bound by any bills signed into law by, say, Governor Bill Lee. Um, you would think disallowing vaccine mandates or or vaccine passports. So, but LSU like followed the lead of the city of New Orleans in their vaccine mandates. Right. So it. The only thing that I have a question about, and this is not relating because we don't want to get political on any of the COVID topics because you probably come here to avoid it. My question, unrelated to this actual virus from just a fan perspective. So in the actual article and in the release by the university, it is stated a vaccination card, a photo or photocopy of a vaccination card or verified digital proof of vaccination, including L.A. Wallet or another government sanctioned mobile app will be accepted with entry granted upon visual inspection. My question, oh. Billy, is these ticket takers, great job, they, they you know, it's, it's, a, it's an unthankful job, not saying anything, but we have all been through there and the transition to digital tickets has been a world changing event for ticket takers. And my favorite thing that me and my, me and my dad always joke about is they try to scan the QR code on the digital ticket, it doesn't work. The first thought of 95% of ticket takers to look at the scanner and hit it against their hand a couple times, <laughs> then try again. So how are these ushers or, or people, but they're not qualified to be reading government documents and they're not, how are they going to look at those documents, A, and judge the validity of them and if right. they're actually real, and B, it already takes freaking forever to get into a college football or professional football yeah. game. So we're okay. going to add another step to that process that just – the this is going it's, to be a disaster if it is attempted and actually attempted to be implemented like this with this little warning where they've already released season tickets people have already bought their season tickets right. so i just think that the actual line into the game and it, it doesn't make a difference because how are you going to tell the vaccine card is a tiny little piece of paper with no barcode no verification yeah. so I, this I, is all just kind of a show and i am really afraid that vanderbilt uh, is going to be the next one to put it into place. I, I I think it's about the optics, Will. I mean, like you said, with marketing, you can you can tell people to do anything they want, anything you want. You know, you, you can direct mm-hmm. them any way you want. But there's always there's always going to be that shakeup in the system where people find a way to, to to get through and say, "Hey, I got through. I didn't have to show it." You know, it's so, more just basically putting it into place to say you're supposed to be right. It's not and actually anybody that actually wants to go that's not vaccinated or doesn't have a negative COVID test they'll still be able to get into the game. Right. And that's basically all this is. So that that's kind of what I was saying. And just something to keep an eye on leading up to the game. Yeah. Definitely. And, I, I, we, don't, we don't need to go crazy into any of this. No, we don't, we don't need to dig any deeper. But, uh, Will, I, I, think, I, don't, I don't think 80,000 of those LSU fans are all going to be following that protocol. <laughs> I would be. Yeah, I can't. And, <laughs> and another thing is they talked about the mobile apps, man. But if – you can't even get any service in Nashville during a Vanderbilt game with thirty thousand people in that stadium. I couldn't. I can't imagine you have any service down in Death Valley with ninety thousand people. I guess you're gonna have to try to connect to Wi-Fi. Have everybody. Oh, connect to that that's. Wi-Fi. I, I just can. I just think that. I think watching that leading into game one, it's either going to horrendously affect attendance or it's going to be just 
an epic mess of epic proportions where they're going to have to like push back game time in oh, order man. to allow fans to get into the stadium. So I will, oh, I will be looking forward to watching that. Week that one should be intriguing. That that's, that's the key to, to week one right there for, for Vandy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we're key. watching. We will uh, talk about the real keys uh, next week more when, when we uh, dive into ETSU, but that does it here for segment one coming up is sec. Mike, Michael Bratton. We had a quick talk uh, with him. He was able to dive into more of the season and uh, we'll, we'll have a, uh, well, probably, I guess one more until ETSU, potentially two more, uh, but we'll keep you guys updated on that. Coming up next, SEC Mike here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get into the interview with Michael Bratton, he's known as SEC Mike, the host of That SEC Podcast. It's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report alongside Michael Bratton, I'm Billy Derrick, and he is our special guest for this segment. He is the host of That SEC Podcast. Obviously, you've probably seen his work all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube as well. They are doing big things over there at uh, That SEC Podcast. Very entertaining. Listen, and we have him here now on The Door Report. Mike, thanks for taking the time to come on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Mike, I want to start uh, here in Nashville. I know, of course, uh, you, you have an SEC podcast. So you guys do a really good job, I think, of looking a, across the entirety of the conference. But let's start here in the Music City. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Coach Lee and, and kind of the future of this, this program at Vanderbilt because what, um, what the administration have going on right now with a lot of the facility upgrades, game day upgrades, and, and, and really kind of giving Coach Lee what he needs – um, what, what do you think he could potentially accomplish? And maybe even this season, what do you think he could get done? Well, certainly we all know it's going to be an uphill climb, but, um, you know, just with my interactions with him, I've been incredibly impressed. Uh, obviously a very intelligent guy, much smarter than me. I'll have to, but, but it, <laughs> it doesn't take much to say that, but, uh, yeah, he just, uh, he seems very thoughtful and, you know, in everything that he does. And I really appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, I'm sure so much has been made about uh, adding Barton Simmons to the yep. staff, but you need to do stuff like that if you're Vanderbilt. And it's not, you know, a disrespectful thing. It's just that, you know, I'm a Tennessee grad. That's mm -hmm. the best example. They've hired Derek Dooley and Jeremy Pruitt. And, well, they know what Saban's doing. Let's do with that. And yeah. you're already a country mile behind Alabama. And why in the hell do you think you can just duplicate their blueprint and you're going to have success. That's, that's not how it works. So I love the fact that uh, Clark Lee, you know, his staff is sprinkled with people that have NFL experience, uh, people that have unique recruiting um, experience. And I, and I just think that's terrific for Vanderbilt. And I love the fact that he brought his helmet to SEC media days. I mean, oh, who, yeah. who in the world does that? And uh, you know, he knows better than anybody what it's going to take to when it comes to hard work and, uh, you know, walking on at an SEC football program is hard enough, but it's I cannot imagine what he had to go through as a walk on fullback. So if there's anybody that's uh, prepared for, you know, the rigors and grind that's going to come to to lead Vanderbilt back, I think it's Clark Lee. 
And, you know, that's – we haven't even hit on his X, X's and O's. I mean, he's one of the no. best defensive coordinators in the country. And the fact that uh, Vanderbilt is uh, seemingly committing so much money to upgrading the facilities and, and hopefully the stadium down the line, uh, I think this is, uh, you know, a, a real cause for excitement if you're a Vanderbilt fan because it certainly seems like uh, the, the, the school itself is finally committed to, to doing what needs to be done in, in order to be competitive in the SEC. Yeah, a lot of Vandy people uh, ho hope you're right uh, on that. And, and I, I want to ask you on that topic of, of kind of, you know, starting anew and, and reshaping a program. We talk about tradition all the time, of course, especially in the SEC. And with all these first-year head coaches, I'm sure a lot of them are trying to tap into the tradition of that specific program and trying to go back to some of the success that that program has had. Now at Vanderbilt, um, you know, you go back to James Franklin and then you go back to maybe the early 80s. Uh, there's not a ton to go back to. But for Coach Lee, how important do you think that is? He, obviously, he brought back uh, the older style of uniforms with the new helmets and kind of a more classic look. Um, how important is that for a first year head coach, especially for a coach like Clark Lee at Vanderbilt to where, OK, what are we what, what are we trying to grab onto and, and 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 what are we what kind of success you know, do we want to have here? Yeah, I think it's huge because, uh, you know, I think, you know, say what you want about Derek Mason. I don't know if the players in that program and it kind of went to show last season with so many players, you know, not finishing with the team. I don't know how much they appreciated the fact that they were Commodores and that they're playing right. in the SEC. And I and I love the fact that uh, Coach Lee is bringing it in here. And heck, I mean, you even got to earn your jersey number. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and some people roll their eyes at that stuff. But uh, at Alabama, that probably wouldn't work. You know, there's too many five-star divas. They can go wherever they want. It goes back to what I was saying. I mean, Vanderbilt's a different program. You have to do things different. There's got to be a lot of hard work that's going to be put in just, just to make them competitive. I'm not talking about winning the SEC. So, uh, yeah, you know, they should be proud to go out there and wear that star. And the fact that uh, Clark Lee has walked in their shoes, I think that adds credibility to the message he's uh, sharing. And, you know, the truth of the matter is he probably didn't have to take his job. You know, he had other mm -hmm. opportunities. He could still be at Notre Dame uh, preparing for potentially another college football playoff run. So uh, he seems like a guy that's uh, fully invested in the program in, and not just, you know, I love the fact that it's not all just X's and O's with him. Right. He's really selling the fact that, uh, you know, all the, the academics and, and the community and everything that can do for you. Uh, but I love the fact, too, that he doesn't shy away from the fact that he is recruiting guys that want to play in the NFL. And I don't know if uh, previous Vanderbilt coaches uh, honestly think like that. You know, they they want the guys maybe that uh, Alabama doesn't want. And right. I, I don't see that from Coach Lee. Right. Yeah. And, and, and of course, with with around the SEC, it's, it's kind of crazy how many different first year head coaches we have and, and to kind of look at where they are right now, you know, with their programs. It's, it's kind of crazy because you got Coach Beamer over at South Carolina. You've got, of course, uh, Josh Heupel uh, at Tennessee, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Um, so of the first year head coaches in the SEC, is there one in your mind, Mike, that has a head start on the rest where you can kind of say, hey, this guy could have some success this year and even um, when, you know, with a little bit of good recruiting, this guy could, could bring his team back up. So is there one that has a head start potentially on the others right now in your mind? Well, in recent weeks, I was uh, singing the praises of uh, Shane Beamer, but since then, I mean, 
Uh, they landed a uh, all American from Kansas named uh, Cameron Prunty. He's left the program. Uh, the other starting corner Cam Smith has not practiced at all. So, I mean, they're, they've got huge issues in the secondary. They've got uh, basically one quarterback with experience and he's played like two games. Now he's hurt. They're having to bring GAs to, to fill out the quarterback room. And it, <laughs> it sounds like this guy, his name is Zeb Nolan. Sounds like he's going to be the starter week one. So, what does that tell you about the rest of the, the roster there in the quarterback room at South Carolina? So, yeah, that's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, I've not been very impressed with Brian Harson uh, to this point. His recruiting has struggled. And I don't know. I, I just – They got Coach Mason over there now on the defense, I, though. They do, and everyone's touting that as uh, some genius move. Last time <laughs> I checked, uh, I don't know if that guy knows what he's doing in the SEC. So – yeah, I, I mean, Shane Beamer would have been my answer. I love the fact that uh, I think Vanderbilt's out recruiting Auburn and Tennessee on the recruiting trail really? right now. So, uh, yeah, right now, I'd, you know, I'd give a lot of credit to, to Clark Lee and company, but I still maybe I'm a little biased, but I think Tennessee will be better than anticipated. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this. Looks like they're going to name Joe Milton the starting quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he could be a boom or bust type where, you know, I, I continue to, to compare – Tennessee to Ole Miss last season where, you know, they got a talented roster. They don't have a lot of depth and the mm -hmm. defense may be a disaster, but if they can get the, uh, you know, the offense rolling there, I think they could be a very dangerous team to where, you know, they could upset a team or two and then they could easily drop just about every conference game. So I have no idea how to read Tennessee at this point. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's uh, see, it feels like there's always at least a two or three of those kind of teams where, you know, hey, this season could go either way. And Tennessee, I think I agree with you right there on that one. But with with Tennessee and and some of those other teams in the East, um, you know, we we didn't talk about Kentucky. Obviously, you still have Missouri with Elijah Drink Drinkwitz there. Um, I think the East is more up for grabs than people are than a lot of people are talking about. I know Georgia has a ton of talent coming back, and and they're the the trendy pick in the East, but. In your mind, Mike, is there a team or a couple teams that could step up and maybe upset a Georgia and, and create some chaos in the East? Or do you think it's 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 really just Georgia's to lose? Yeah, I really think it's Georgia's to lose. Now, I will say with the caveat that, uh, you know, Kentucky obviously brought in the new offensive coordinator from the NFL, Liam mm -hmm. Cohen, and they're bringing in a transfer quarterback. Will Levis, he's already been named the starting quarterback. If they catch fire with those two, you know, everybody is is naturally making the Joe Brady comparison and, and the Joe Burrow comparison. I don't think Kentucky has got a Joe Brady or a Joe Burrow. Yeah. That's not uh, Joe Burrow over there. <laughs> no, but if that happens, I think Kentucky could, you know, they're a wild card, but again, those are two huge ifs and uh, Kentucky week two of the season plays Missouri, a team, a lot of yep. people like if Missouri comes out there and beats Kentucky for the second consecutive season, um, we may run this co offensive coordinator out of town already. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always wild we bring in a new coordinator. You know, I've seen it time and time again in the SEC. Things are going to change. We're turning a leaf. We're, we're going to be awesome. And then uh, one hiccup and everybody wants a guy fired. So I'm not buying into him until I actually see him call a game. Yeah. And then meanwhile, in the West, you've got, of course, Alabama up there at the top. But 
with Alabama, I think A&M this year could be a potential breakout season. I don't know what we're going to get from Bryce Young and Alabama's offense is, I don't, there's, it's impossible that can match what they did last season. And with A&M, Jimbo Fisher, of course, with a little bit of a recruiting momentum and seeing what he can do um, here in the future in that West, uh, is that the same thing as the East? It's Alabama's to lose, or do you think the margin there is a little bit closer from one to two and then everybody else? Yeah, no, see, I would go the opposite here. I think the West is a is a toss-up in my mind. I could see Alabama, obviously, winning mm-hmm. it. Texas A&M, like you said, but my pick is LSU. I think LSU is going to win the West. Wow. Uh, they're bringing back, uh, outside of Ole Miss, they bring, out, bring back more experience than anybody in the SEC, uh, or more production, I should say. Uh, they, I really like the uh, freshman class they brought in. It, apparently, it's full of, of players that are going to play right away. So you're adding that. Uh, Max Johnson, in the brief time we saw him start for LSU, yeah. you know, people forget they went on the road, beat number six, Florida. That was a team fighting for a college football playoff berth. They beat them. Uh, and then Johnson looked really good, by the way, too. He did. And uh, the following week, they beat Ole Miss. And, and Ole Miss was red hot down the stretch, won yeah. four or five. Only game they lost to was LSU. So that Max Johnson to Kayshawn Boutte, who was also mm-hmm. a freshman, I mean, that looks like a terrific combination. And I think uh, getting rid of Bo Pelini, that's good for two or three wins right there. So, yeah, I think LSU is uh, a lot closer to 2019 LSU than 2020 LSU. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Tiger fans uh, are happy about Pelini leaving. I want to ask, <laughs> ask you now uh, about the quarterbacks in the SEC, and, and I think we love to overhype the, the quarterbacks in the, in the conference before every season, but you ha- you got a guy like Matt Corral sitting down, down there at Ole Miss licking his chops and trying to you know continue what he's done, but also Connor Bazelak at Missouri is a guy that that played well last season and, and is hoping to step up, and you also have Will Rogers, Mississippi State, but from your perspective – who is the quarterback to watch and, and, and the quarterback that you're looking at and saying, hey, he could be the breakout guy and end up uh, kind of taking the reins in the SEC? Well, for me, it is Max Johnson there at LSU. That's why I'm so high on the Tigers, but you you know, I kind of already talked about him. So one other one that I really like is uh, K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas. Oh. So he this will be his first year as a starting quarterback. He has started a game against Missouri last season, uh, led Arkansas to a, a game-winning touchdown and two-point conversion Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Missouri got the ball back with, I think, about a minute left on the on the clock and uh, kicked the game-winning field goal. So, of course, he doesn't get credit for the win there. But, uh, you know, Kendall Browse, I just got a ton of faith in his offensive system everywhere he's been, whether it's FAU, Florida State, Baylor, obviously. Uh, he was at Houston with uh, Dariq King, who's yeah. now at Miami. Uh, that was his offense coordinator that year. So uh, I really like Kendall Browse. And I think Arkansas, you know, they came out pretty – fired up last season and, and just they just didn't have the roster to be competitive in a 10-game SEC schedule. I think it's going to be a different story with an eight-game SEC schedule. And and uh, I think Sam Pittman really didn't have, you know, we all credit him for being a great offensive line coach, which he is, but that's not a position group. You just snap your fingers and, and you know, no. you work magic. I mean, it takes time. And uh, he's got all those guys back. I think the line will be a strength of Arkansas this year going with uh, Traylon Burks, who I think he's the best receiver in the SEC. And I think that'll really help KJ Jefferson as well. You talked about the schedule, man, week one, this could be at least in the SEC, one of the better weeks we've had in a while. 
with Georgia and Clemson opening up that Saturday. You also have Alabama and Miami earlier uh, that day in the afternoon. Heck, Tennessee Bowling Green, pretty fun way to start the season off there on a Thursday night uh, on the SEC Network. So, Mike, when you look at those that slate of week one games, you could go out of the SEC. But, I mean, those two games right there with Bama and Georgia uh, playing a couple top 25 teams, which one are you most looking forward to watching um, there in week one? Well, it's got to be Georgia Clemson. I mean, we've been circling this game for since the last season ended. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a showdown of top 25 or excuse me, top five teams in Charlotte on a neutral field. Uh, you know, I know Georgia's getting a little banged up going into this game, but still should be a terrific matchup. And then uh, one, you know, wild card to watch. I know I'm high on LSU, but traveling out to UCLA. Yeah. UCLA is playing during this uh, week zero. So I'll be interested to see how they look. You know, maybe that gives them a little bit of an edge over LSU, mm -hmm. just the fact that they'll have a game under their belt. And of course it's at home, but uh, I think that the Tigers will be representing about half the crowd. I, I really do based on what I'm hearing. So I don't know how much home field advantage it'll be, but uh, yeah, I cannot wait to watch that one either LSU, UCLA. Yeah, boy, you talk about the crowd. I don't, I'm not sure how many UCLA fans are even going to want to show up to that one. You might as well just sell them to LSU fans. But speaking on that topic of crowds this year, how different do you think it could be from last season? Obviously, some there were some games that you started to feel more of the the typical atmosphere. Uh, you know, many of the the CBS games were uh, were like that. But you saw where LSU as requiring a vaccination or um, I think a positive COVID test for, uh, for everyone over 12, 13 years old, I think it was. Um, and if LSU is doing that, I'm surprised there aren't more teams that might begin to do that. But, you know, everybody, everybody's different, of course. But, Mike, with these crowds this season, what do you expect and, and, and how different in a positive way could it be this year for the fans? Yeah, and I think it's going to be tremendous. And, you know, that is something that uh, Nick Saban has mentioned many times this uh, offseason, just and I think something that gets overlooked is just the fact that uh, so many of his players, you know, they really regretted that uh, their final season, you know, they were national champions and never really got, I mean, they got tested a little bit by Ole Miss mm. and Florida, but that was about it. Magical season. Yet there were some regrets with a lot of these guys that were leaving the program because of all the, uh, the pageantry and, and the, and, you know, their favorite, they work so hard just for these games and they're just, there's something missing, obviously, from from these games without the fans. It's just not the same. So, uh, you know, I think for the players, it's going to be much better. I think it's going to be ter terrific for the fans and tailgating. I mean, it's been mm. so long since anybody tailgated. And uh, it's funny that uh, LSU is, uh, you know, made that distinction yet. <laughs> <laughs> Who in the world is going to, you know, they're not going to be there's policing no, there's tailgating. No way. You know what there's I mean? No Those people are going to be going crazy. That. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I hope everyone's safe and, and does the right things. But, uh, yeah, I think this – you don't know what you got till it's taken away. And it was taken yep. away from us last year. And I think this year, as great as, as I thought last year was going to be with the 10-game SEC schedule, I think this year will be way, way better with, uh, with returning to as normal as possible. Man, it's going to be fun. I got one more here for you, Mike, before I let you go. I want to go back to Vanderbilt from the beginning uh, with with, uh, with what we did. I, I listened to, uh, I forget which podcast it was, but where you guys picked out the most important game on each SEC team schedule. Um, and I agreed with uh, with your co-host, uh, what's his name, Shane? Um, yeah, Cousin I, Shane. I, yeah, I agree with Cousin <laughs> Shane when he talked about Vanderbilt and ETSU being their biggest game. I actually agreed with him on that because 
hey, if they if that's a tight game, I'm not sure that's good news for the rest of the season. So going to Vanderbilt, what do you think for them on their schedule is a game where, hey, they got to get this win or it could turn, uh, it could kind of downturn? Yeah, so I, I certainly agree with uh, Shane and, and you with uh, why that first week is so important. And, uh, you know, Clark Lee has been very vocal. Hey, our worst performance is going to be the first one. So as soon yeah. as, and when I heard that, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's uh, I said the Colorado State game. Uh, that's a game that I think in years past Vanderbilt, you know, is, even this year, it's considered, I, I would think, a toss up going yeah. on the road. You know, maybe if Colorado State was coming to Nashville, it would be a little bit different. But, uh, you know, we're saying all the right things. It's supposed to be a new Vanderbilt. We go out there and show it. Yeah. Uh, St- Stanford, you know, that they've got such an advantage with everything David Shaw's built there. I, I think it'd be unrealistic for, you know, hopefully Vanderbilt does upset them, but you know, it's not going to be a stunner if, if uh, Stanford wins that game. Uh, I think it's time for Vanderbilt to, you know, kind of put this little brother uh, image behind them. And, and you do that by, because any other, even probably South Carolina, if they go on the road to Colorado state, they're beating them. So yeah, you've got, you've got to, you know, get rid of these narratives and show everybody that you you're on the same level. And I think it starts week two. Uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm just completely overlooking ETSU, but uh, I think they'll smash ETSU. And it, for me, it comes down to Colorado state. I want to see what this uh, Clark Lee air is all about. Well, I will say, I'll leave you with this, Mike, on the topic of Colorado State. Vanderbilt has brought in their quarterbacks coach, Joey Lynch, who was Colorado State's offensive coordinator. So I don't know if that was a strategic move by Coach Lee (laughs) or not. But, hey, uh, that could be the advantage for Vanderbilt there. We'll we'll have to see. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. Good luck uh, the rest of the way with the podcast. And, and man, football is here, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, uh yeah, check out the podcast, that SEC podcast, and then I'm, I'm online, SEC Mike, just search for me, and uh, I should pop up. Well, that does it for episode 101 of The Door Report. Big thanks to Michael Bratton. He's known as SEC Mike, the host of that SEC podcast. He's been doing great things over at that podcast. Give him and his crew a follow. Also, big thanks to my co-host, Will Byram. For myself, Billy Derrick, Michael Bratton, and Will Byram, You've been listening to episode 101 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.